all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. All about the Savior and the promise of His Word. It's all about Jesus. Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. Why don't you open your Bible with me to Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, we're continuing this exciting adventure through the book of Hebrews. Uh, I don't know. There's <laughs> Hebrews is a powerful, powerful book. Sometimes people avoid it because of some tough text in there. But you know what? As I've been going through it, and those of you who've been with us, you, you know... Um, there is just hidden treasure every step along the way. And could I tell you, it's all about Jesus, okay? Have I ever told you that? You know, life is all about Jesus, but Hebrews points to Jesus Christ in so many ways. Now today, we're going to look at God's living word. Now by the way, that's all about Jesus as well. Uh, but the, the reason why I'm calling or titling today's message God's living word is because our central verse in today's text, and I'm only covering three verses, is verse 12 of chapter 4 of Hebrews. It's popular. Some of you may have even memorized it, but it's, it's popular for a reason. Listen to this. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints of the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And uh, we're going to examine this in depth, but first I want to give you a little review and a little context. First of all, I want to remind you every time we, we study the book of Hebrews who this letter is written to because it makes more sense that way. Uh, we don't know who wrote it. Some people are all troubled by that. Who, we, there's a book in the Bible we don't know who wrote it. Well, some people think they do. I mean, some people are absolutely sure they know who wrote it. All I know for sure, and I've listened to arguments for Paul and for Barnabas and for all the different people, all I know for sure is the original recipients of the letter, they knew the author. And they knew it was uh, had authority. They knew it was trustworthy. And that's, it got into the Bible because the original recipients, everybody knew who wrote it. Somehow, because he didn't put his name in there, now it comes down 2,000 years later. We've not, we're not quite sure. But you could argue about it in your small groups, okay? Listen, who wrote the, the book of Hebrews this is an, isn't as important as who it's to. And before I tell you that, let me tell you, it is to you. <laughs> it is to you. But this letter was meant as an encouragement to Jewish believers who were under great persecution and struggling in their faith, trying to decide whether they should just retreat back to Judaism and the old Mosaic law because they were going through some tough times. And, and it was easier for them just to be Jews and go through the traditions. And so they're, they're tempted to retreat back to the old covenant, the old Mosaic law. And so the book of Hebrews is an encouragement to hold on to faith in Christ. And it's, so also along with that, it's appropriate that you'll find warnings in the book of Hebrews not to forsake Christ to go back to the old ways. And the strength of each argument is Jesus is the greatest. He's greater than anything or anyone. He can't be replaced 
by anything or anyone. Jesus is it. He's God's final word to mankind. Matter of fact, we looked at that in chapter 1. And so this section of Hebrews is the second of five exhortations, or you might say warnings, to these Jewish Christians. The first one was in Hebrews chapter 2, the first few verses, where the writer uh, pointed out the danger of drifting because of neglect. In this exhortation that we're in right now, it's, it's describing the danger of doubting or disbelieving God's word because of hardness of heart. We're going to talk more about that as we go along. We've talked a lot about it so far, but hardness of heart that leads to unbelief. And, and the author used an illustration, you may remember, uh, of the exodus from Israel, uh, or excuse me, the exodus of Israel uh, from Egypt, and their experience of unbelief in the wilderness, doubting God, and there's spiritual lessons all throughout. That's why we, we still read our Old Testament. It, there is spiritual lessons for us in it. Israel's bondage in Egypt was an illustration of the sinner's bondage in the world. Uh, Israel was delivered from Egypt, remember in the very beginning in the first Passover, by the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. Christians today are delivered from the bondage of sin by the blood of the lamb applied to the doorposts of our heart. And, and Jesus is the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and his death and resurrection have made our deliverance from sin a reality. So, by the way, it wasn't God's desire for Israel to stay in Egypt. It's not God's desire for Christians to stay in bondage to sin. It wasn't God's desire for Israel to stay in the wilderness, wandering on a journey, but never getting there. It's not God's desire for Christians to stay wandering on a journey, never arriving to that place of rest. We've been talking a lot about rest and God's rest. You know, the, the strange thing is, uh, and, and many of you are familiar with the story, just when Israel or the, children, the Hebrew people got to the promised land, they, could, they sought, they sent spies into the land. They were right there. But they stumbled because of unbelief. So close, but yet so far. Oh God, help us. Not, not to know what we need to know, see what we can see, and, but, but, but we stop right there. We need to keep moving in our journey and keep pushing forward and learn from these lessons of the Old Testament. Father, that's our prayer today as we look at your word. We pray that you'd just show yourself real in our midst today. I pray, Lord God, that as we look at your word, that you would just bring it to life. And, and Lord, if there are those who are stuck or tempted to turn back or struggling in their faith, I pray, Lord God, you'd meet each one of us where we're at. You know where we're at. You know what we need. I pray that you meet us here today and just speak to each one of us personally, Lord. Lord, I know your word is, is, is general and it speaks, but Lord, I also know your word can be very personal. Speak to your people in a personal way. We want to hear from you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now the author of Hebrews mentioned two different rests that we talked about so far. Rest, resting in him. Found, both are found in the Old Testament. The first one is God's Sabbath rest. And that's when he ceased from creation and he rested on the seventh day. You could read about it in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4, where we just looked last week, or Genesis 2-2, when God rested on the seventh day. The second rest is Israel's rest in Canaan. And uh, the growth group leaders are all kinds of verses you could look up on that. But there was a rest for God's people, Israel. Both, both of these rests are illustrations of spiritual experiences for believers today. Okay? Now the Sabbath rest is a picture of our rest in Christ 
through salvation. He gives us salvation. We can rest in him. We're no longer working to try to earn God's favor, earn our salvation, earn our way to heaven. You'll never deserve it. I'm not saying don't stop serving, uh, to stop serving the Lord, but you'll never earn it. You'll never deserve it. We need to rest in that Sabbath rest. But the second rest is that Canaan rest, and it's a picture of our present rest as we claim our inheritance in Christ and just know that we can rest in him. Oh, how we need rest. Anybody need rest here today? You need a break? It's Sunday. Sit down and, and just rest. Well, you got something to do afterwards, right? Okay, listen. Let's look at our text today. Hebrews chapter 4. We're, we're covering just a few verses. Verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So the, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to his eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I hope you could see as we just read those three verses why I'm only covering three verses today. There's so much in here. It's powerful. First, we see the rest of salvation. We're saved. We don't have to earn it. Matter of fact, I've told you many times, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, By grace we're saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So there's, we're, we, we work, but we don't work to earn. We work because we are saved. We don't work to get saved. We work because we're saved. But then there's the, um, the, the rest of submission that we all need to learn, to submit to the Lord, right? Now, I told you the two rests, the Sabbath rest, uh, the Canaan rest. I'm going to talk about a third rest today, and I think there's only really three in, in the uh, book of Hebrews. The third rest comes into the picture when we start talking about our future rest in heaven that all believers will enjoy someday when we finally rest in him. I like the way Hebrews 4.9 said when we looked at it last week, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. I'm looking forward to that. I don't know what, you know, people want to talk about all the things they're going to do in heaven. You know what? All I know for sure, you know, the people who love water skiing say we're going to water ski in heaven. People like to surf. We're going to, there's going to be a sea of glass. There's no, anyway, whatever you'd like to do, horseback riding, all I know for sure, I'm going to be worshiping God. Now you think, well, there's got to be other things to do. You know what? I can tell you what. When you're there in the presence of the Lord, and you're bowing before him and worshiping him, if that is all that we do, you won't get bored. Now, maybe here, because uh, we're on earth and there's things to distract us, and you're not seeing, uh, you're not seeing the Lord God Almighty in front of you, uh, it, it, it could, after a while, after about the 20th song, you go, okay, I'm ready to go home now. But I tell you what, when we're in heaven, worship will be anything but boring. And matter of fact, when, when, when the choir wants to sing its last song, you'll say, no, one more, one more, King of kings and Lord of lords, because worship will be the occupation of heaven. I'm telling you that. Okay, so when we rest then, now it's interesting, the word rest in our text today is... Um, is the word sabbatismos, which it's, it's actually a keeping of the Sabbath, and it's the only place in the whole Bible where that word rest 
is found, where that particular Greek word is found. And the definition is, it's the blessed rest from toils and troubles looked forward to in the age to come by true worshipers of God and true Christians. When the saints enter heaven, it will be like sharing God's great Sabbath rest forever. And all of our labors and all of our battles, and all of our struggles will be over. I like that verse in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. Let me read it to you from the New Living. I heard a voice, John says, a voice from heaven saying, Write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work, and their good deeds will follow them. Game over. I'm looking forward to that day. So let's dive into our text today. Verse 11 says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now I want to remind you that uh, word disobedience is interchangeable with unbelief, especially in the book of Hebrews. Back and forth, the writer of Hebrews will say, so they didn't enter in because of disobedience. Then they'll say, and so they failed to enter in because of unbelief. It's the same thing. It's interchangeable, okay? So the author here, it's funny, in verse 11, it's interesting the way it's worded in the King James because it sounds like we got to work to rest, right? Uh, Let me read it to you in the King James translation. It says, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Labor to enter into rest. Now, some of you guys think, think, of course, that's what I'm doing all week long. I'm working all week long so I can have a weekend off. Or I'm working all week long every week so I can have a vacation. I want a day off. You're laboring to enter into that rest. But that's not what he's talking about here because what, what you're thinking of is a rest because you deserve it. You've earned it. You've been working hard. Now you're, you're, you deserve a break. Um, in, in this case, in God's rest, we're working hard to enter into God's rest that we don't deserve, that we can't earn. We didn't earn it, we can't earn it, but we can rest in him because he offers it to us. I like it. Remember the verse I showed you last week? Whenever I could sneak that same verse in two weeks in a row, I will, if it's good enough. It's hard to find a, a verse that's not good enough, but this text in Romans, I just love. Listen to this, Romans chapter 4, verse 4. Now, I showed it to you in the New King James last week. I'm going to show it to you in, the, in a, the New Living Translation today. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they've earned. But when people are counted as righteous, it's not because of their works, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Or in your other translations, it's who justifies the unrighteous doesn't mean he justifies the righteous. You don't need to be justified if you're righteous. I love this, con- uh, this uh, concept in Romans 4 because it's like I don't have to earn it. If I work, then you get a paycheck because you earned it. That's not the way it works for God. It says, but people are counted righteous not because of their work, because of their faith in God. All God wants you to do is just trust him, rest in him, believe in him. And again, our Hebrews verse that we're looking at in verse 11, let me read it to you from the Amplified Bible. You know, my my jokester mind, whenever I read from the Amplified, I want to shout because it's Amplified, so I'll I'll hold back. Amplified Bible. Uh, Let us therefore be zealous to exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter the rest of God, to know and experience it for ourselves, that no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience, they put them both in there, into which those in the wilderness fell. And there's the Amplified. You know, by the way, it would uh, do you well if you learn to use some software and have many different translations and compare them. You always catch things you didn't catch with just that one translation. Okay? So, remember now, the context of our book, of this letter, is a warning against falling short of God's rest, 
through unbelief. And it's similar, I was thinking that it's similar to Stephen's message. If you go back to Acts 7, matter of fact, I went last night, usually Saturday night I have a hard time sleeping, you know. So I'm, I'm up on my tablet reading Acts chapter 7, and um, Stephen was giving a message to the Jews because they were saying, uh, is it true that you're saying not follow the law of Moses and, and to, to destroy the temple? They're getting everything wrong, how people usually do. And Stephen goes on and on. I read Acts 7, and he goes on and on and on, reciting a history of Israel like I wouldn't be able to do without notes, just telling these Jewish leaders all about the, showing, showing them he's one of them. But then he gets to the point, and he says, and then they didn't enter into the land because of disobedience and unbelief. And Moses told you guys all about a prophet that was going to come that would be greater than himself. And you better follow him. And he's here now. And you're not following him. You're always going astray in your hearts. That's not a good way to win friends and influence people. Uh, but that's how he ended his message to the Jewish leaders. And of course, that was the day he died. Uh, because they, they soon stoned him after that. But he was reminding the Jewish people of their long history of turning from God, the Jewish people over and over again, turning from God. Now the difference in this letter is he's reminding Jewish Christians, don't be like them. Don't be like them who fell away because of unbelief, who turned away from Christ because they've chosen easier way. It says, Lest, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example, looking back, of disobedience. So what's the cure? What's the cure of unbelief and disobedience? Keep reading. Look at verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, piercing even between the division of the soul and the spirit, and the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God. You know, so let, let me give you your first fill And I know you're just dying to fill it in. You're holding the pen in the hand, just waiting for it. So your small groups use this on a regular basis. But it also helps you to track with me. Your first fill is this. We enter into God's rest by submitting to the complete examination and spiritual, uh, deep spiritual surgery that comes from exposure to God's word. The fill is God's rest, God's word. We find God's rest through God's word. And the context is a warning against unbelief. What's the remedy? God's word. Hearing the word of God, heeding the word of God, embracing the word of God. As I'm thinking about this, I can't help but to mention Romans 10 to 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You want to grow strong in the Lord? Listen to the word of God. I want to tell you a little principle that I shared with a friend of mine who used to be a pastor, but now is an atheist. He was, he, was he was listening to all these different kinds of debates and listening to atheists, and he was being influenced. As a matter of fact, I sent him a debate by a great apologist defending the word of God against a great atheist. And so I sent it to him. I said, listen to this. He wrote back and goes, oh yeah, I listen to that guy all the time. He listens to the other guy all the time, the atheist. And I says, here's the principle. Who you give your ear to is who you're going to give your heart to. Amen. Be careful. Who you give your ear to is who you will give your heart to. This is when he first began his journey. Now he's totally an apologist for atheism. He was a pastor. I knew him. I watched this guy grow up. His father and mother still serve the Lord. And what he's doing is now posting constantly on Facebook reasons why not to believe. And I tried to tell him, listen, who you give your ear to is who you give your heart to. And so I kind of blocked him because I'm not going to be giving my ear 
to him if he's constantly going there. And I'd recommend you to be careful who you listen to. If there are people you're always hearing, you know, I, I know one, one, um, one person I know in ministry who knew this young man, and now young man, everyone's young to me now, but he's in his 40s, and, and uh, this person told me, I have to block him on Facebook because he's really shaking my faith. He's making me doubt God. Yeah, you have to block him. Who you give your ear to is who will, you'll give your heart to. So be careful with that. And let me tell you, give your ear to the word of God. That's why we gather regularly and, and hear the word. That's why you don't come here and hear funny stories. Now, some, every now and then one slips through, but I don't do that on purpose. But listen, you, we're here to hear the word of God. And I'm mindful of what the apostle Paul wrote uh, to the Thessalonian church. This was, I think, one of my first Bibles. I, put this, I wrote this verse out on uh, the front cover of the inside cover of my Bible. Listen to this. And I'm reading it uh, again from the New, New Living Translation. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. <sighs> Can I tell you that principle is true? If you hear God's word and you believe God's word, it will just continue to do work in your life. If you hear God's word and resist God's word and harden your heart to God's word and doubt God's word and question and challenge it, it's not going to do you any good. You should just stop listening. But when you listen to God's word, it, it says here, this last line is, and this word continues to work in you who believe. Folks, I don't know too many other better therapies for the human soul than to hear God's word and believe God's word. You know, another one is worship. I always tell you that worship is the therapy of heaven. When we worship the Lord, it's like takes us, gives us pictures of heaven and experience that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Anyway, the word of God. Now, let me take some time here because we only have three verses, so we get some time. Uh, what is God's word? You go, well, how do I know what God's word is? Some people have different Bibles and blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, I'm not going to go too in-depth. There are differences in uh, certain people's Bibles, like the Catholics have a couple extra books. As a matter of fact, interesting, the Catholics have a couple extra books in the Old Testament that the Jews don't even have. Go figure that, okay? Listen. But what is God's word? God's word, no-brainer, is anything God speaks, okay? But... It's actually the expression of his character, his desires, his purpose, and you get to know God by listening to his word. If you and I sit down over a cup of coffee and we're just chatting for a couple hours, hopefully you get to know me because the more I talk, the more you go, okay, it's one of those. You get to know me, okay? You listen to someone's words. You get to know them. Now, so it can refer to anything that God has spoken directly. I mean, we read through the Old Testament. We see in Genesis, he spoke to Adam and Eve. He spoke to Abraham. He spoke to Isaac. He spoke to Jacob. All these people in Genesis. He spoke to Moses and Exodus. We've got it all recorded, okay? God also uh, spoke to the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai, and he sent the Ten Commandments. And so all of this, of course, is considered the Word of God. Now, that's part of it, but we, we're not there at this time, okay? We also have God's Word delivered to us in written form, and it's through the Bible. So it's a history of when God spoke to these people I just mentioned. And the Word throughout both Old and New Testament is dynamic, active, and it's ultimately effective in accomplishing God's purposes for us. We need to know that God's word, whether it's written or spoken or, or listened to it and you get audio Bibles, it's all good. It's all therapy for us. 
I like the old famous verse. You may have this one memorized in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God might be thoroughly furnished to every good work. The word of God. That's why we have Bible study. That's why you're all sitting here today with your Bibles open or your phones, your tablets, whatever you have, okay? Because we're here to look at the Word of God. Now, I've got a bunch of fill-ins for you about Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. You can see it right there in your fill-ins. Hebrews 4, 12. What is the Word of God? The Word of God is, according to verse 12, like a sharp sword that cuts into our innermost being. And by the way, I put, uh, after each one of these, I put a line to you, you could word it however you want, but I'm going to say a little bit more. It cuts into our innermost being in order to discern whether our thoughts and motives are worthy or unworthy, spiritual or non-spiritual. God exposes us. He knows us. He just, you could see when, when you read the word, that oh, that cuts so good. I needed that. It's also like a surgeon's scalpel. There's your next fill-in. It's like a surgeon's scalpel that cuts away the corruption from our lives and brings healing and life to those who submit to the word in faith. So, you know, I said a moment ago, it hurts so good. Have you ever had a time when you're reading the Bible and it just kind of cuts you and you go, oh, oh, that hurts so good. I need that. Don't you need correction? Don't you need changes in your life? Don't you need some spiritual surgery now and then? Matter of fact, by the way, this, this word sword in verse 12 is not like what some of you think in this great big long takes two hands to hold. It's actually like the, um, the Romans' short sword. It's just a, it could be a, a large knife or a short sword, and it was double-edged so that it pierces. It's not just a blade on one side. It's double-edged, and it pierces. And it, I tell you, folks, I've had many times the Word of God pierce my heart, and I went, oh, Lord, thank you. I needed that. It hurts so good. It's just what I need to hear. So it's a surgeon's scalpel. But one more fill in here. It's a warrior's sword. A warrior's sword, because it also will bring judgment on those who oppose it. It brings destruction on those who set themselves against the Lord. And, and the world will be judged by it someday. Matter of fact, in John chapter 12, verse 48... This used to be one of my memory verses. He who rejects me and receives not... Oh, if I don't look at my notes, I'll, I'll quote it in the King James. Let me look at the New King James. Uh, <clears throat> he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I've spoken will judge him in the last day. You want to get, have a reason to memorize scripture? You want to have a reason to know God's word? Because we're going to be held accountable by the very words of Jesus that he speaks. Jesus we hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.